Wow, that was really nice. For a guy that likes to sing, I was having a hard time being quiet over there. Nice job, guys. Um, before I begin, uh, I wanted to remind you, I, I failed to remind you to remember in prayer, um, Brian Grant, um, he is still in uh, the COVID ICU, or ICU at, at the hospital, been making some positive gains, one of them bleeding through his nose and his mouth that um, they have not been able to stop. They've got to slow down, but not stop. And um, the family has asked for us to sp- pray specifically for that. So if you will remember him in your prayers and just ask God to, to stop the bleeding in his body that is not supposed to be happening. Proper clotting is vitally important. Um, all his other signs seem to be turning a little bit, but um, we do cover the prayers. He is not awake yet. Uh, the paralytic has been removed, but he is still heavily sedated. So um, keep in your prayers. Just over a month now, he's been there, and just for reference sake. So please keep Brian in your prayers, as we all do. Uh, as we talk about the sermon this morning, um, way back in the book of Genesis, there was a fellow named Jacob who made a very powerful and poignant statement that has resounded across the ages for us. He made the statement, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. From Genesis 28:16. A modern-day version of this would be something like, God was here, but I was out to lunch. Be about accurate, I guess. Both of the statements underscore an, an often repeated happening in life, namely this. God comes near us, and we are so busy, so preoccupied, so set in our ways, or so caught up in our own agenda, that we don't recognize God. We don't sense God's presence at all. We miss it completely. Let me show you what I mean. There was a senior angel who was giving a a uh, brand new angel, a young one, a tour around the heavens, and the new angel was wide-eyed and awestruck as he saw the vastness and the majesty and the wonder of God's incredible universe. And when they came to the Milky Way, the senior angel said, Come over here, I want to show you something special. And he said, Look down there, and he said, You see that tiny little blue planet? That is Earth. And it looks rather insignificant from here, but something quite remarkable happened there. He said, you see, the people of earth had gotten off track, and they were missing the point of their existence. They were missing the meaning of life. So God sent his only son into the world to save the people and to teach them what God meant life to be for them on earth. And this new angel, he said, man, that is incredible. That is amazing. How pleased the people of earth must have been to have the Son of God come to them. They must have had a great celebration. The senior angel said, no, no, they didn't. They actually tried to kill him. They were so wrapped up in the old, rigid ways of doing things that When God's son came with some new ideas, they resisted him and tried to silence him. Blinded by the old, they missed the new. Surely the Lord was in that place, and they did not know it. God was there, and they were out to lunch. How easy it is to fall into this trap, isn't it? 
how easy it is to become so paralyzed by our usual ways of doing things that new, the new way threatens the life out of us. How easy it is to become so closed-minded that we are blind to new ways to see the truth. Blinded by forms, we miss the force. Blinded by our rituals, we miss the reasons for being. Blinded by narrowness, we miss God's nearness. Blinded by the old, we miss the new. Mark chapter 3 gives us an example of this. Um, Jesus is already a marked man in life, in this gospel. The religious leaders are so threatened that they are watching him very closely. We read about this beginning Mark chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. Another time Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. And then Jesus asked them, the ones watching, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. You know, I want you to get the picture. The Sanhedrin has deputized a team of watchdogs to keep an eye on Jesus. They sat on the front row in the synagogue because these were the seats of honor, and they would scrutinize and criticize every action he would take and every word that Jesus spoke. They were not there to worship or to learn, but to listen cynically to every word. The passage tells us that there was also a man there with a withered hand or shriveled hand a defective hand and the Greek suggests that he was not born this way but rather it was an illness or an injury that had taken strength from it other writings notably the gospel according to the Hebrews we do not have that canonized into our uh, Bible because most of it has been lost but a few fragments that they have found include this text in it and it tells us this man was likely a stonemason and he'd come to Jesus for help because his livelihood was in the use of his hands. Now, the trouble in this encounter is that it was the Sabbath. And all forms of work were forbidden, including healing. The people wondered, what will Jesus do? Will he heal the man and, and be in trouble with the law? For Jesus, the question was, which is the more important, the law or the human being? So Jesus turns and asks the crowd, what is the right thing to do? To take life or to save it? 
Now, I don't want you to miss the subtle point here. Jesus knew the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all of them were plotting to take his life. So he asked, is it right to take life, as in his life, or to save life, to offer someone new life? And no one said anything. So Jesus said to the man, of course, stretch out your hand, and he healed him. Now, I want you to think about the implications here. The man is healed. He can go back to his job now. He can shake hands now. He could be considered a full member of society again. He could have new life. Was there great rejoicing because this man had been healed, but he'd been given new life? No. The scripture says the Pharisees conspired with the Herodians to kill him. Now, who were the Herodians? Well, they were the court entourage of King Herod. Normally, the Pharisees would have nothing to do with Herodians. They were considered enemy. But they were so desperate and jealous that they were willing to enter into what, for them, was an unholy alliance. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? Blinded by their hostility, they missed the holiness. Blinded by hatred, they missed the healing. Blinded by their duty, they missed the divinity. Blinded by the old way, they missed the new way. I can't tell you how many times I've heard the phrase, I can't wait to get back to normal since this pandemic has started. Have you said it? I've said it. I've heard numbers of you say this, and I sympathize with this in the core of my heart. I, too, want to gather for worship in a full house of people with no restrictions, no mask, no quartered-off pews, no reservations. Just let's come in and pack shoulder to shoulder and sing with all our might, right? I want that. That's the normal that I want back, and I've heard this so many times. But I wonder if we are missing new opportunities because we are blinded to the old ways, the blinded to new ways the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is spreading. If we're missing out on something that doesn't, isn't restricted by our space or even our gathering time. Church growth has been in decline for over 25 years. Steadily on the decline. Churches that are growing are, seeing more, are, are not seeing necessarily new converts. They're just seeing more transfers from smaller dying congregations. We can't keep doing the same things as the way we've been doing them and expect a different result. Maybe we have opportunities that are right before our eyes now that we never had before. And I will tell you that we are reaching people online that don't live in this state, are new to this community, and they're finding us. Over 30,000 Google searches every weekend are for church online in my area. 30,000 searches a weekend looking for worship online. Do you think that was happening a year ago? No. 30,000 new opportunities for people to find places to worship. What if God has been using this pandemic to wake us up in new ways 
new ways of reaching the lost with a new life in Jesus Christ. We are fortunate in this community of faith. We had a family come because they had been watching online, had never been to church before. But we became their church home online. And they came and visited in person, and we baptized an entire family. Mom, dad, and two little boys. Right here, just a few weeks ago. Just because of a new opportunity. And they may have never found us before. What if God is using this to open our eyes to new opportunities? Yes, I agree online worship is different, but it is not bound by location or time or space. The limits are gone. We don't have to worry about the weather. Those folks at home, they're not worried that it's pouring down rain. They're not worrying that their shoes are going to get wet. But they're worshiping all the same. They're coming with a common heart together. The challenge is how do we engage with those worshiping in our online campus, in some personal and spiritual growth and community? How do we do that? That's our challenge. Is how do we seize this moment and growing in Christ together and being made more like Christ and becoming disciples of Christ? Online is our campus. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. It may not be our favorite mode of worship, but somebody is being reached that would not, could not, or did not make it to the building today. So let's not be blinded by the way it used to be and miss out on the new life God is breathing into us right now. Now, does this mean that we're not going to have worship in person in the sanctuary anymore? No, it does not mean that at all. No, we are expanding our reach in a new way, and I want to encourage you to embrace it. Yes, we still would love to see you in person. Preaching is a whole lot different when there are people in the room. I guarantee you. And so is our community. But we have opportunities now that we need to embrace. This reminds me of the old story of the young man who uh, found his wife preparing a roast for dinner. You may have heard this story. And she very carefully cut the roast right in half. And she put one half in one pan and the other in another pan. And then placed them very carefully in the oven. And this puzzled this young husband. So he asked, why did you cut the roast in two and put it in two pans? And she said, well, I've always done it this way. Because this is the way my mother taught me to do it. And so the young man picked up the phone and he called his mother-in-law and asked why she cut the roast in half and baked it in two separate pans. And the mother-in-law said, well, because Grandma did it that way. And when they asked Grandma why she followed this practice, her explanation was simple. She said, I never had a pan big enough to hold the entire roast. This is what happened to the Pharisees. They had gotten so accustomed to doing things a certain way that they were not open to any new way, even though it made sense. They could not understand the common sense of Jesus in helping this man because their common practice was not to help people on the Sabbath. They were blinded by the law. If we're blinded by the law, we can miss the chance to love. 
If we're blinded by common practice, we can miss the common sense. If we're blinded by our own systems, we might miss the Savior. One Sunday morning in a church out in the country years ago, during the Sunday school hour when the church was full of people. I remember that. You remember that when the church used to be full of people? A ninth grader decided to pull the fire alarm. And the bells began ringing loudly and the lights were flashing. And with just a few minutes, there were five fire trucks with sirens blaring and they pulled in around the church. When the ninth grader was asked why he pulled the fire alarm, he said, I didn't think it would work. Isn't that what we say to God? On page after page of Scripture, God urges us to put love first, to have goodwill toward one another, to pray for others, to help others, to care for others, to serve others. In Jesus, God shows us that love is the answer, that love is the way, that love is what God wants, but we don't think it'll work. So we rely on power plays and hostile threats and political strategies and bureaucratic systems. We plot against one another and we flog one another with cruel words and deadly gossip. We crucify one another trying to get our way. We don't quite trust love yet. We don't think it will work. Well, let me tell you something. God showed us it does work. It worked on the cross for us. There at the cross, God showed us that love, not law, not practices, not systems, but love is the most powerful thing in the world. And I wonder, will you give it a try? Will you try loving completely for one day? Surely the Lord is in this place. Let's not miss Him. Will you pray with me? Father, your love abounds, and yet so often we miss your presence right with us. We miss the opportunity to be your hands and feet. We miss the opportunity to pray. We miss you. Lord, open up our hearts. Scrape away the calluses so that we might embrace the lost, the hurting, and each other the way that you love us. Come, Holy Spirit. We know that you are here. Help us not miss you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.